Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Sasha and I'm a human. Welcome to Too Human for Words. Welcome back, welcome back, make yourself comfy, relax. I will not be doing too much talking because I lost my voice on the weekend and it's still coming back. If you remember, I've been working on a short film. You can follow us at Glass Road Productions and I was doing a lot of yelling and not using my voice properly to look after it and (laughs) so... I've slowly been getting my voice back, but it's not returned properly. You know, sometimes I'm good at pacing and then I really fall off the wagon and now is one of those times and I'm trying to claw my way back. But we are just going to move right onto the interview. So today we are talking to Salisa. Now I love this issue that we go into because it really goes into how we can't judge from what we see and there is always so much more going on. We sort of discuss how society views women's bodies and when it actually is a health issue that we're trying to uh, work on and make better. Society and our communities don't always understand uh, how we're being negatively affected. And so I think it's really interesting. I don't think there's much information out there about breast uh, reductions. And so I think it's pretty fascinating. Enjoy and I will see you on the other side. So first of all, you are someone on my podcast that is in the lived experience category. I would think so, yes. yes. I'm definitely not a medical practitioner. You're not a doctor. Shocking. 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 Absolutely but. shocking. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm not a doctor. We've known each other for a few years now. Three or four years now. Three or four? About three, I think. Yeah, three. three. Yeah. yeah, it is three. 2016. Yes. It's three. That's right. Can't be a doctor, can't do math either. <laughs> I don't even try. I think it's a big achievement if I say big numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so we know each other because our... Partners are best friends. Mm-hmm. So that's how we know each other. And you have a pretty cool story, which is just a recent... Pretty recent, yeah, like three months ago. I think it's cool because it's something that I don't think we talk about that often and in this context we don't get to sit down and ask questions and have a chat about it. One of the main things I found before having my experience was there wasn't a lot of public information. Whatever information you wanted you had to know someone who'd already done it or you had to find like secret Facebook groups you know there wasn't really anything out there or anyone out there saying hey I've done this and this is what it was like and I think that's what I kind of want to do today is just put it out there that you know this is what I've done this is what it's like and it's okay to to do it and to have that experience if you want to. You're building the suspense very well. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even posted what my surgery was on Instagram yet. Oh, really? I've had people submit questions. Okay, nice. 
Well, before we get to your surgery, what it was, let's just talk a bit about who you are, what you do in your in your life outside of this story and surgery. Well, I'm 24 years old. I obviously live in Melbourne. And yeah, I am just someone who spends their spare time avoiding socialising, hanging with their fiancé and their cat, and who's just trying to get through this crazy thing we call life. Until I move into your house and I make you socialise with me. Pretty much. <laughs> like you were over literally four days after the surgery. <laughs> it's like you can get cut open, but you're mm. not avoiding me. I came in my hoodie. I had my blanket. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. sweet. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure I bought my bed socks. I think that's to me not nowadays what socialising is. Mm. Like if I can come with my bed socks and my blanket. Basically, if I can't wear trackies, I don't want to go. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, you've just had this surgery. Can yes. you reveal... What that is my, my big reveal. I had a double breast reduction with a lift, which is part of the reduction, but that's the formal name of the surgery that I had. Can you explain why? And if you don't mind, what size did you go from and what are you now? Okay, so I genuinely don't know what size I was before. They were just really big. I pretty much just wore whatever bra. What size sort of bra would you have to buy? I'd have to go up to like a 20 FG, even though my body is only actually like a size like 14, 16, because I had to get the extra band to account for where the cup wouldn't be, Yeah, if that makes sense. But the actual surgery is literally what it just sounds like. It's getting cut open and yeah having a bunch of breast tissue removed uh now although my swelling hasn't 100 percent gone down i'll be swollen for probably another few months at the moment i'm now a 18 double d to e but a lot of it is still very swollen so i won't know my actual size probably till november and so how many weeks again are we from your surgery well it was june 26 so it's three months yesterday i'm back at work in a full-time capacity I'm essentially medically cleared for my role. The only thing is what you don't kind of realize when you have a major surgery is during your recovery, you don't you don't use your muscles that often. So my weightlifting, you know, it's a struggle for me to pick up anything over five kilos at the moment. So I'm having to work hard with my trainer to basically start from the beginning and build my body strength back up to where it was before I went in. Can you talk about what led you to the surgery? Like I know obviously you said you started off with a big cup size, but because it was not just a, oh, they're just big, there's a whole other range of things that affect your life. Yeah, so what got me to the point of having the surgery was I um, had a knee injury a few years ago. I pretty much wasn't walking for six to eight weeks and I put on a bit of weight and I tried for three years to get that off. And I was at the gym every single morning, every single evening. I was eating all the right foods and the weight was budging and then it would stop. And it just never got beyond that point. And I kind of went through, I guess, a process of elimination. Maybe I'm because I'm eating some dairy, cut out dairy. No, it's not that, is it? Because I'm eating carbs, cut out carbs, is it that? And I slowly began to realize, no, it's actually my body that's restricting me. And I was with my trainer and I was trying to do push-ups and I realized I couldn't do a full push-up because of the size of my chest. And I never really thought about it because I'd always had big boobs my whole life. When I started thinking about it, most of the women in my family have had some kind of breast 
reduction, usually liposuction. So I was like, obviously, it's not just me who's had this. I'm the first one that's had a surgical reduction. That was kind of the turning point where I was like, it's not me or like, it's not me just being fat. It's not me being lazy or anything like that. This is actually something I've genetically inherited that isn't going to go away any other way. And it was affecting you in other ways, wasn't it? Like back pain mm. and breathing and what are the oh other gosh, physical yes. effects? I'm pretty sure my like health insurance could tell you every other week I was in physio, the chiropractor, pretty much since the age of 13, 14, you're talking minimum once a month at the chiropractor, getting straightened out usually at physio every three, four weeks as well. I had chronic back pain. My back just never felt like it could relax. It always felt tense because it was always holding such a significant weight and trying to carry the strain of that. And then because you're carrying such a heavy weight on your chest, it affected my breathing as well. And even now, three months later, I'm still essentially learning how to breathe properly not be like you know short half breaths all the time because that's all I could get into my lungs I actually remember after surgery give you antibiotics through your IV and the nurse checked on my oxygen levels and she was like your oxygen levels are perfect you don't need the tube and I was like can I just have it just because I'm just enjoying being able to breathe properly and then there was like the mental aspect of it having to buy clothes that are like three, four sizes too big for the rest of you because you're accounting for your breasts, always wearing baggy clothes because you feel if you wear anything tight, that's all people are going to look at. My whole worth as a teenager and growing up was kind of around being the girl with the big boobs. And, you know, I kind of fell into it because I was like, this is what people know me as and I need to keep that in order for people to like me you know, I need to dive into that personality. So it was harmful for my mental health because I felt like I had to rely on them in order for people to like me, but I also wanted to hide them because I didn't want them to be the center of attention. Mm -hmm. I didn't want them to be the focus of everything. I just... And the way society works, that's hard to avoid. So hard. I'd be at work and I'd be having conversations and because they're just there and people start staring at them, it just makes you so uncomfortable. Was it a defense mechanism to almost like point them at yourself? Because if you get there first, it like beats other people to it. Exactly. And I did that, especially getting to the age where I'd start going out clubbing with friends. You know, it's like if I wear this really revealing top and if I make jokes about it if I'm the one that points it out I win they're not making the joke about me having big boobs and they're not the ones making the comments it's me I've won that social interaction which is petty now that you now that I think about it but it's also I get that that's how 18 year old me used to cope but I think it's also that because it is a a thing of worth for girls that it's not just 18 year old you it's you have to find a way of dealing with the way that society perceives bodies and it's a legit defence mechanism because if it's not you, society will always have something to say. Yeah, and it's like if I'm the one that says it, then I get that one up. Totally. So, you know, with this podcast, I look at the things that are our vulnerabilities and our so-called weaknesses because we all have bodies, we all have minds. We cannot escape from that as much as we try. And in all of our experiences, the context changes, but we have so many similar experiences and overlapping. And this is something that I think I know that there will be people listening that have heard things that you say that will relate to things that may not be from a like a breast reduction surgery, but this in particular, I completely understand 
for totally different reasons, but the idea of having a defense mechanism because if you point it out first, you get to it before other people. Yeah. Mm. And I totally understand that. And I think a lot of people will relate to that with whatever their thing is. I think is. everyone's done it at some point, whether it's about a physical thing that you have or maybe have a strange tick if you point it out before people it makes you seem like you're stronger than any well, you're joke. okay with it so yeah and like they can laugh with you not at you exactly kind of that whole fake it till you make it you pretend you're confident enough to make jokes about it then people are like oh you know I was gonna say this horrible joke but she's probably just gonna laugh the time when you need to look at it depends on how much that is hurting you like how much having that defense mechanism is actually causing you harm rather than lightening the Mm. load. And if it's lightening load, that's great. But if it's causing you harm, then it's something that I think personally and then as a society we need to reevaluate. For me, when I was 18, 19, I didn't care. I was making jokes about it because at the end of the day I was with friends and I knew that they did like me for me. But as I got older and I moved away and my friends started to change and it was just like, am I doing this because these people know me and because they know how I feel about them already behind the scenes or am I doing this because I want to fit in and I just don't want to seem like insecure about them. I want to own it. I want to own that mm. thing that other people might be insecure about. So... Can you talk a bit about the process leading up to the surgery? What was it like going to appointments and getting it verified? Because this is essentially elective plastic surgery, but it's not elective in the sense of like just for fun to be a superficial thing. So mine was deemed medically necessary. When you do that, you actually get a Medicare number that helps you claim uh, a Medicare rebate. And if you have private health, it obviously helps with that situation. As for the actual process, in total, between my initial consultation and my surgery, the process was only about four to six weeks from having my initial consultation to actually being in hospital, having my surgery date being there, getting cut up. Surgery is a very personal thing and to anyone considering it, regardless of if it's plastic surgery or anything like that, shop around for a surgeon because you need to find someone who gets you, gets what you want and understands where you're coming from. And I had a few consults where I didn't quite feel right. They're still a great surgeon, obviously, but our ideas of what I wanted to achieve didn't mesh. Mm -hmm. And then I had my consult with Kim Taylor at Re. And she just clicked with me. She understood exactly what I wanted, what I needed. And it was the most liberating experience to kind of just sit there and feel feel like you're validated. Yes. Having her actually say to me, like, you do need a breast reduction was just like a moment where I just sat there and I was like, holy shit, it's not just, it's not just me. Do you think that's also important in this sense because with a breast reduction, it can sound like a superficial thing. Yes. And I think it's really important to have a surgeon, no matter what procedure you're getting, validate whether or not you actually need it and validate how you feel about it. What was that process like talking about the, uh, do you really want this? For me, it wasn't really a question. Okay. My surgeon and my GP, who both basically had to sign off on it being a medical necessity, They asked the question and I said, yes, I do want this. And then there was no follow-up in terms of, oh, are you sure? Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't made to feel 
second guessed. They could see it and they could see that I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted was realistic. It was achievable. It was kind of just like, I've got to ask this question, but you've made up your mind and you're comfortable with it kind of thing. Yeah, because I know from what we've talked about that health-wise, there's plenty of reasons that led you to that. But I always just wonder. It was destroying my life. Yeah, from the doctor's point of view, if there was ever any time where you had to justify. No. That's good. No, like my GP is the same GP I've been seeing since I've moved here. So he kind of saw all my issues and he was just like only too happy to help. And yeah, my surgeon, as we sat in the consult, she, I told her about all like the back pain, the breathing problems and all that. It's a quality of life. It, it is. Issue. It was, It's a quality of life thing. And when you have that validated, it's so empowering. A lot of people judge you when they hear you're having a cosmetic surgery mm. and it's just like, hang on, I'm not vain. I'm actually doing what's best for me. See, I am vain. But oh, I I'm vain as <laughs> shit, just not with this. <laughs> I would still be like, no, but this is for like, other I was, reasons. I was in yeah. two months later getting lip fillers. I'm vain as shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's take a pause and mm-hmm. from this conversation anyway and do our D&M game. So uh, in case people are just listening for the first time now, this game is just like a question out of a hat game. It's a little bit more lighthearted than the rest of our conversation, even though sometimes we pull out super deep questions and it turns out to be a whole other DNM. <laughs> but, you know, I love a good DNM. I'm not good at small talk and no. that's why I feel like it's a really is... good icebreaker as well. Totally. Just kind of breaks up the conversation. I love those like 20 questions games. Like I always oh God, love them yes. because they're the questions that you'd never think to oh, it's, ask It starts other. out with like what's your favourite food and then it ends up something fucked up. Like have you ever killed a man? Exactly. <laughs> it's like actually. <laughs> oh damn it I was hoping no one would bring that up mm. um, but I closet. find it really good in this context because we sort of come as much as this is about being human we come in here with the the purpose we're here is because of the story so we have the label of that story that we come in with and then I like this game because it shakes it up and we get to see this other side of yeah that's not talking about this medical condition yeah or like our profession or whatever it is that's brought us to this conversation so mm-hmm. you know and actually the number one reason is because I just like to make an excuse to play a game. (laughs) We could have pulled out categories. It's okay. We could have. All right. So you've got a few questions there. You're going to pick two out and we're both going to answer them. So what job would you be terrible at? That's the first one. What job would I be terrible at? Honestly, most jobs. (laughs) No, just like I'm really not good at interacting with people. Like I've just left retail and I'm so glad I was good at my job interacting with people so often every day just like drains you so much and you just end up like not wanting to ever socialize because you're always like you have to be on you're always socializing at work for like eight nine hours a day and then it's just like I don't want to socialize when I go home I want to shut up and you're sort of like presenting this side of yourself to people to do the job and that takes the customer service voice (laughs) I mean it's not that cheesy there's only certain jobs that I am good at 
There's a mm. lot of jobs that I can't do. I was a waitress and I was the worst waitress I feel like you're too ever. clumsy for that. I am. And because I'm like trying to like be just so knowing cool. you. Oh, I am. 100% <laughs> cannot carry all the dishes and whatever. And they like carry 20 oh at a God. time and they're like balancing a fully loaded dinner plate on their fing- each Don't finger. It. And, and it's just not like, be burnt oh. and everything. There were lots of people leaving this job getting fired and I was the only one not to get fired because I... I was like the only one not stealing. So <laughs> legit, like, oh the reason God. why I stayed because they were like, we would see her if she did anything wrong. Like, <laughs> like she's too slow. Yeah, exactly. And she's a terrible liar. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, I'm a horrendous waiter, waitress. Um, I like the people part of it. I can do yeah. the talking to the people, which is basically what I do in my job at the moment is that side of it, not the a carrying you know, around yeah, multiple plates keeping of food. Up with the, oh, and the multitasking. Oh my goodness. I don't know how they do it. Like, so, mucho respect for everyone in hospital because yeah, I could is, not do it. I went into that job and be like, oh, this is a job that everyone can do. Not everybody no. can do it. No, I have so much respect for people who work hospital because you're on your feet all the time and you just, you're juggling 20 things at once. Yeah. And then it you're dealing with the public you don't as get well. Paid enough. The average wage of hospitality. And you're is working not like weekends, Friday nights, Saturday nights. Like, exactly. you're killing your social life. Totally. So much respect for hospital workers. Yeah. So there's lots of jobs I'm sure I haven't done that I would be horrendous at, but that's one I've done. That's one we know. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. So what game or movie universe would you most like to live in? For me, uh, this is so corny, but I would definitely put myself into the Sims universe Mm -hmm. because I would just cheat my money up, build myself (laughs) a boss-ass house, unlimited wardrobe. I'm sorry, who wouldn't want to just be able to cheat life like that? (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. You pay like 30 bucks a day for a maid to come clean your whole house. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you played Sims 4, but there's no burglars this time. So okay. no one oh, this, steals. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Like this game, that'd be the game universe I'd put myself in because I'm selfish. Perfect. I actually have a few answers now that I think about it. And oh they're gosh. super cheesy, like 100% cheesy to the max answers. But I think it's because they are fictional universes where I'm like, well, it makes sense that there's like not this underside to it like in the yeah. real world. One of my top answers is George of the Jungle. <laughs> I am a massive fan of that movie. I only just watched it again recently after years of not watching it and I get cravings like every two years to watch George watch of Brendan the Jungle. Fraser like fly around topless. Oh, my God. Uh, Spy. World and Space Jam. Every two okay, years, like- I need to watch those movies. <laughs> but the George of the Jungle, I love his house. Like that the is the tree house with that, all the animals. Yeah, yes. I think that's where my desire to live in a tree house came from. I tracked it back <laughs> a little while ago and I was like, I think that's it. George of the Jungle. Oh, I'd like to live in the Wild Thornberries. As I remember that cartoon with the family. Oh that, is that the one with Nigel the travel? Yeah, oh documentarians. Gosh. I'd like to live. In that family, uh, in that universe. In in like real life or cartoon render? Oh, tough choice. I don't mind. You know what? I don't mind. Just whatever they throw at me. <laughs> so we'll jump back into our conversation. Yes. Uh, now you, because you are a queen of social media, you put it out there and ask people what they would want to ask you. So I do you have did. those questions? I do. I actually got a fair few sent through to me. The first, well, most of the questions were obviously what surgery did you have and what made you have it? Which I think we kind of covered. Mm-hmm. You know, it was obviously physically impacting my life. Physically, mentally. Yeah. And I think uh, socially, from what you said, I think that's actually a big factor that needs to be validated I and taken didn't even, into like, account. I didn't even think about that until 
yeah, you just said it. I'm like, actually, yeah, socially it kind of. Because it's the thing that you wouldn't validate or put enough weight on, but. Yeah, and, you know, you kind of. Might not be a deciding factor for you. You kind of just go around joking about this actually severe back pain that you have. Mm. Do you think sometimes also that it's one of the things that you don't really know any different? So you. Yeah, so you don't, of, you don't think it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many things with each of our stuff that we don't know any difference, so we don't. Like one of the most surreal moments for me was I was six or eight hours out of surgery and I was still in hospital because I stayed overnight and I got up in the middle of the night to go pee and I caught a glimpse of myself in the bathroom mirror and I had a perfectly straight back. I didn't even believe it was me. I was like, who's this girl with good posture? Like I've had horrible posture (laughs) all my life because I've had such a significant weight on my chest. Obviously when it was taken off, my back straightening up and I'm like, excuse me, who are you? Why are you in my bathroom? taking a weight off your chest. (laughs) Literally, like talk about a weight off your shoulders because it quite literally is. Yeah. Yeah, that was a super surreal moment for me, seeing myself in the mirror for the first time taking the surgery bra off, basically going down to just the bandages, looking in the mirror and you see your face on a stranger's body almost. You're Mm. like, I don't know whose body that is because you're so used to seeing yourself one way in the mirror. It's a very surreal moment. Well, it changes your silhouette. Yeah, completely. completely. Yeah, the only way I can describe it is surreal. I literally stood there and I was like, I recognise my face but I don't recognize my body. Yeah. So going back to the question, what's been the main changes since? The main changes. Or improvements or what have you noticed? You can remind me what the exact yeah. question was. But. Well, yeah, it was basically like how has your life changed? Well, that's how I would sum it up. It was basically how, is, how has your life changed since surgery? And honestly, it has been nothing but positive. Like I said, like the physical changes, you know, I – you know, I can basically train my back to have good posture. My breathing is getting better by the day. Mentally, I am in just such a good place. I recently went back home to Perth for my mum's 50th and both my parents said to me, you're just mentally, you're so much happier. Mm-hmm. You know, my mum said to me, she's like, having that surgery was the best thing you ever did because you don't feel so trapped in your own body. You have a confidence about you. You're a happy person and it's made your life so much better. Mm. And I I agree. I think everything in my life has kind of just gone up since having this physical weight taken off me. Yeah, going back to the quality of life. Yeah, going shopping for things now isn't scary. It's not depressing. I don't want to constantly wear baggy. Well, I always want to wear, 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 (laughs) wear baggy clothes, but that's because I don't ever want to leave my house. If I go out... I'm not like wearing a hoodie to cover up. I can wear nice shirts now. I don't have to buy things. I can buy things in my size. Mm -hmm. Do you know how exciting that is? I haven't been able to do that for like ever. I went to Kmart a few weeks ago and I bought one of those cute $5 bras and I was like, I can actually fit in this. Yeah. And it's just liberating and empowering. You know, you don't feel like you're dressing to be 20 years older than you actually are. My quality of life has improved so much. I I can't even put it into words. I'm a completely different person. So you've touched on it already, but one of the questions was asking about family support and 
socially because I think from most everyone else's point of view, it's a physical change. To you, it's much more. To be honest, I didn't know how it was going to go down. Obviously, my fiancé knew I was having consults and he was 100% supportive of it. He saw the impact it was having on my physical health and my mental health and he couldn't have been a more supportive person. My family, again, were super supportive. I was a bit unsure bringing it up to them, but this is my situation, so this is what I'm going to do about it. And at first they, they were worried. They live on the other side of the country. So there was questions of concern mainly. And they were the main ones who pushed that, are you sure this is what you want to do kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I was explaining to them, think of all the problems I've had. Think of the fact that pretty much every woman in our family has had at least a liposuction reduction. I'm just getting ahead of the game, mm -hmm. <laughs> essentially, because they all had their reductions after kids. And mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, I'm not waiting that long. Why the uh, reduction surgery and not liposuction? Is there a difference? There is. So liposuction can really help if you've got bigger breasts because you've had kids and they've swollen up and then gone back down again as they do when women are pregnant and breastfeeding. For me, liposuction was definitely one that I looked at and I actually discussed it with my surgeon during my consult. But as she said to me, even if I had a lipo reduction, it wouldn't do much because what they took out of me was breast tissue. Mm -hmm. It wasn't fat. You can only use lipo for fat, obviously, yeah. or excess. For me, it was literally breast tissue. It had to be physically cut into and removed. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I just want to get that clarity. It's completely valid. And even I asked the question at the time and then, yeah, my surgeon's actually like making me feel my breast and she's like, all of that is tissue. Like, yes, there's going to be fat in there, but there's no significant pockets of fat where we could drain it mm -hmm. and it would make a difference. Yeah, cool. I'm just trying to think what else people asked. They asked about, you've said family support. Family support. Your fiance support. Fiance support he was he's my gem he looked after me after surgery he waited in the hospital all day you know he was texting me when when he had to leave he was texting me all night and you know sending me photos of the cat because that's the most important thing <laughs> those things really do lift you up though I think it's actually important. 100%. yeah when my mum was going through breast cancer treatment the thing that got her through was animal videos and I think she <laughs> met one of her friends going down the elevator of the hospital and she was like my recommendation to you is <laughs> Look at animal videos. You need to lift your spirit for you your need healing. Something to focus on. I would love to know from what we talked about earlier how this has impacted your sense of self because you said you hadn't thought about those sort of defense mechanisms and the social mm. side of it. I want to know how, how for you it's impacted your sense of self and do you joke like that anymore? Like it hasn't been that long, but. What are those sorts of behaviours that have changed for you? It's been kind of strange because that whole identity as being the girl with the big boobs was throughout high school and my early clubbing years, what I kind of define as being like 18 to 20 when I had the energy to go out clubbing. As I got older, I kind of slipped away from it. It was still something I joked about. I tried not to rely on it for my personality, but it was still there. Mm -hmm. And I think now my sense of self is just... I'm not defined by a physical characteristic and a big realisation that I've had is people weren't my friends because I had big boobs. People were my friends because they're my friends. We enjoy each other's company. Just kind of realising that you actually do have friends yeah. and 
I feel more confident in myself that I don't need a physical attribute in order for people to notice me, in order for people to like me. I can just be myself. I can go out, I can make jokes that aren't self-deprecating. None of my friends, obviously none of their attitudes changed towards me Mm -hmm. after they found out I was having the surgery. They were all super supportive. It doesn't change who I am at my core, And I think that was a big realisation. I'd Mm self-identified as a girl with big boobs for a long Mm -hmm. time. And I think everyone around me kind of identified me as myself before I got to. Mm -hmm. And I only really got to after surgery. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a cool realisation. Yeah, my friends had their own perceptions of me and I didn't get to see that until I took away my insecurity. I can see that because I've always known you as someone who joked about their boobs. I, I still do it now. I, <laughs> I did it you still on do, the surgery it's, table. It's different yeah. because I think for ever since I've like known you, it's been in that self-deprecating way not always definitely not always and it was always poke fun at it because if you don't poke fun at it then people are just gonna talk about it yeah but now I don't like you still definitely joke about them and I think that's really healthy too but it's not in that way yeah to be fair I literally was joking about my boobs up to the point where I went under do you remember like what your last yes, jokes were? <laughs> literally. So because you're on a hospital bed while you're sitting in prep, they wheeled me into theatre and they got me on the table. I had to wear one of those sexy AF hospital gowns and the nurse is taking my arms out the sleeves and she's like, you know, we're just going to tuck it under so that when you're out, easier for them to get to. And she's like trying to cover my boobs. And I was like, guys, seriously, control yourselves. This isn't all about my boobs. <laughs> yeah, that was the last boob joke I made okay. before surgery. Yeah, I was joking about them right up till the last minute. I love it. Now. How factual. (laughs) (laughs) It is time for us to start wrapping up. Before we wrap up, we will do our thesis questions, which do tend to take a bit of time. So I like to try and get them before we get right to the end, get them in. These are my thesis questions. They're the questions I ask everybody when I talk about system. In these questions, I mean healthcare, political, social, community, whatever you relate to as the most impacting system for your experience. Absolutely. So question number one, what do you think is good or currently working in the system? The reason why I ask this is because I think before we make any changes, we have to acknowledge what's working Mm. uh, to be able to build a foundation. I think if you want to talk healthcare systems, one thing that I'm super grateful for is the fact that I was able to go out and get my surgeon and my GP to sign off as it being a medical condition because that really helps the process, especially when you're dealing with Medicare and you're dealing with private health. It makes things so much easier because it's a legitimate medical condition. It's not vanity. So that is something I was super grateful for. The second question, if you could change the system in any way, what would you change? Again, if you want to talk healthcare, there is a public wait list where you can get the surgery basically 100% funded by Medicare so that you don't pay any out-of-pocket expenses or you don't have to go through private health. The issue with things like that is there's a really long wait time for them. It's like five years plus in some states. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you live regional, you're just screwed over even more. So, I mean, I have no idea how to fix that system 
don't get me wrong, I don't know enough about it, but I'm sure there's some way that we can get things streamlined or we can get that wait list down somehow because there are women out there, they can't get the surgery as soon as I got it. You know, Mm -hmm. I got, I was able to get mine, like I said, within six weeks of having my consult. They're having to wait for the public wait list, which is five years plus. And if your surgeon that you're on the wait list for, if they move hospitals or if they retire, you suddenly get put to the back of the queue again. Mm. My mum is due for her breast reconstruction surgery. I can recommend a really good surgeon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so she's going through the public system. And so because of that, she's waited about two years for that. And so she's since her mastectomy, she's been living with a spacer, which is a temporary solution while waiting for the reconstruction. And that's technically too long and has become very uncomfortable and is not a vanity thing. It's a necessary surgery. And so there is a lot of reconstruction. A lot of conditions and issues that are medical issues, not vanity issues that people wait a long time for. I think that's something that I would really like to see changed. Yeah, there are women out there who have to live with this pain for years because they're on a public wait list and then they come to being within a month of their surgery date and then it gets cancelled or if you live regional and your doctor moves from one hospital to another, boom, you don't get to transfer with that doctor. You just get put to the back of the queue. I'm very fortunate and blessed, but that's something I would really like to see change because anyone who's living in the pain that I was in, we're in a brilliant country. I mean, we have universal healthcare. It should be more accessible to those who need it. Sure. But I wouldn't complain about paying a bit more tax if it meant people weren't on wait lists for surgeries and not just breast surgery, but pretty sure you can get the gastric sleeve done through Medicare now. And then there's cancer patients getting mastectomies and anything that's publicly funded. I wouldn't mind paying a bit more tax if it meant those wait lists came down because they're just too long. So the next question, is there a silver lining or what has been the biggest lesson that this experience with your health has given you? The entire thing has been a silver lining for me. I touch wood because I am still technically in recovery, have not had a bad experience. I was off painkillers after two days. I had an amazing surgeon. I had an amazing team of people look after me at the hospital. I didn't have a bad experience with my surgery. All the negative stuff was what led me to get my surgery. I think my entire experience has been a silver lining. As for the biggest lesson, you have no idea what your body's capable of. The human body is amazing. You go through a major trauma and it's just amazing the way the human body just recovers. Recovers, yeah. yeah. I think one of the silver linings that I can see for you is what you've discovered about yourself and your sense of self and realising that you don't need anything physical to hide behind or push forward as a defining factor for who you are. Yeah, I'm not defined by one physical attribute. Yeah, and because it is this element of the human body that is often quite sexualized, you don't need to use that as a defence thing anymore. Yeah. That doesn't have to be who you are. No, and it doesn't define me. People don't see me as solely that. Mm. People who actually know me don't see me as solely that, but also the rest of the world does now as well. Yeah. What does quality of life mean to you? From this point of view, 
my physical health is better, my mental health is better. I've, you know, I still have issues here and there, but I've never felt physically, mentally, emotionally as good as I do at the moment. And that to me is quality of life. It's having that sense of self and having that confidence and yeah, not feeling like you're a 60 year old trapped in a 23 year old body. That's quality of life. What do you wish people knew about your experience? The reason I didn't come out public with it before it happened was I knew it was very controversial, especially at my age. And one of the things that's always bothered me is we're so accepting of women getting breast implants, but we shame women for getting breast reductions. Women get breast implants for vanity, confidence, whatever. Who cares? That's their decision. I support them 100%. You know, like do whatever makes you happy. Breast reductions even when they're medically necessary. It's still a confidence thing. People deserve to feel good about themselves, no matter their body size. I know a lot of women my age who have gone under the knife and gotten breast implants and they look amazing and it's given them so much confidence. It was the same for me with a breast reduction. Why is one thing seen as empowering and confidence building, whereas the other is seen as you're fixing a medical problem, like something's wrong with you and you're fixing it? It's like, mm. no, well, I mean, yes. <laughs> Yes, something is terribly, horribly wrong with me. My back hurts 24-7. But also, it's not a lesser than, though. You're not lesser than exactly. because of this. Yeah. Your quality of life is down, therefore something is wrong, but that does not make you lesser than. Exactly. Why are we so accepting of one thing but not the other? I think people still look down upon breast implants because they also don't recognise the emotional factor of getting them increased but it's much more talked about. It's a lot more in the norm. It's so less taboo. Yeah. And there's so many more resources out there and people are a lot more open about having implants than what they are about reductions. What do you wish people would say or do to support you? It can be now in recovery. It can be before. What do you wish people had done or said to support you? You can put it in the context that, that works for you. The only thing that bothered me was when people were like, women pay lots of money to have breasts your size. Why would you get them reduced? And it's like, implants, way less than breast tissue. Fact of life, women who get implants, they're not usually dealing with the back pain because they are so much lighter. Or the than, other side effects. Yeah, or the other side effects. And that's just something that really bothered me. People get surgery for different reasons. I shouldn't be shamed because I have something that other women want. They don't want it the way I had it. They don't want it with the chronic pain. They don't want it with the back pain, the breathing problems. People think it's the same, but it's not. It's two completely different things. And I have no issue with women getting breast implants. If you want to change your body and if you think something's going to make you more confident and you have the means of doing it, do it. Like I said, some of my friends have got implants and I've seen the confidence it gives them and I love it. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the fact that they're happy with how they look, but you just can't compare breast implants, which are silicon or water-based, to a reduction of actual breast tissue. They're two completely different things. I think it goes back to like the bigger issue with people just not taking the time to think about somebody else's experience and the fact that they don't understand the big picture. They yeah. don't understand the whole thing. You're not in that person's shoes yeah. and just taking the time to go, maybe I don't know the full story to make that judgment. The worst was when it came from 
other women who I knew wanted to get implants and they were like, you know, I would love to have boobs your size. Why would you pay to get them reduced? And it's like, cool, do you want the back pain? Do you want the breathing problems? Do you want to walk around feeling like you never actually fit into clothes? And do you want to mentally destroy yourself like that? Because I'll swap places with you. Yeah, the jealousy does not fully comprehend the reality of what's going yeah. on. The jealousy goes both ways. People always want one they don't have kind yeah. of thing. So our lucky last question for the thesis questions. Yes. How has your health experience changed your humanness or your perspective of being a human? Coming down to being human, I think it's really kind of opened my eyes to everyone has their own struggles, medical, mental, whatever. And this, this was mine. Mm -hmm. This was my, my struggle. And one of the reasons I want to get my story out there is because I know how hard it was to try and find resources on the surgery and try and find someone who'd gone through it and hear their experience. And you feel very alone and surgery is still very taboo. And I think in order to be better humans, we need to make things like this more acceptable to talk about, whether it's surgery, whether it's medical conditions, we need to make it okay to talk about because everyone's got something and we shouldn't be shamed for it. Totally. And it sounds like such a not small thing, but it sounds like, oh, it's like breast reduction doesn't sound super serious or taboo, but when you put that into the world, when you walk that through the world. Yeah there's so much more that comes with it. Yeah, there's a whole stigma that comes with it. People feel like they get an opinion on your body. Mm. No one knows your experience except you. And you can explain it as best you can to people, but no one knows what you live with day to day except you. But everyone has that same experience with something. Is there anything else you want to say or share before we wrap up? How amazing my new boobs look. <laughs> I just don't think that's been mentioned enough. They look amazing. They feel amazing. If anyone needs a surgeon, I have a very good recommendation. Now that this is what you're ending with, it would have been tragic if you had not finished back on the subject of your new boobs. Because oh. I, I know you so well. I'm like, of course, this is how we need yeah. to finish. With the social stigma we are talking about earlier, like yeah. I always joked about my old boobs, but now I'm just bragging about my new boobs. Yeah, it's different. I'm just like, check them out. They're amazing. <laughs> I love them. Thank you so much for doing this Thank with me. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> when we first talked about this and we talked about it in like a self-empowerment sort of way, I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know if it's really going to fit with this podcast. I'm happy to have the conversation anyway. But the more I thought about it, I was like, no, this is actually a perfect conversation because this will relate to a lot of different things. We can yeah. take so many different things that we've talked about and put it in different contexts. And so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to s sit down with me. I really hope that I help someone make a good decision for themselves. Yeah, I think like you said, it just adds to the conversation of having more resources out there. So Yeah, it removes the taboo. Definitely. That's what we want to get rid of, remove the taboo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you later. Bye. Welcome back. That was Salisa Doust. And really how interesting is it really how much we rely on our bodies for our own sense of self, whether we are self-deprecating or pushing something forwards for confidence or... I don't know. I just think, you know, when it comes to how we identify, 
You know, what are we without these parts of our bodies that either we love or, you know, cause us shame? I know I've been going through a lot of body shame. I've been trying to figure out why I've gained so much weight and see where that's come from because I feel like it's probably a health condition sort of thing and and that's really played with my confidence. And it's really one of those things that as we're sort of developing and becoming more aware we know it shouldn't mean that much it really shouldn't be a big part of how we think of ourselves in the world like our bodies are our vehicles that get us around and yet they play such a big part in I think even our thought processes and our confidence and you know and there's always so much more going on under the surface and that's really one of the things like here that I think is so interesting to discuss that we know there's so much going on but then you know we also don't always know what that is so it's really interesting to get insight from other people and you know I'm sure even like as a guy or as someone who doesn't have breasts that there's still things that you can identify with from this one issue and it's not just about the issue or the label itself so anyway we are going to wrap it up for today give us a follow on instagram and facebook make sure you have subscribed to the podcast download each episode and then get rid of them after you finish you know clear that space up if you would like to support us a little bit more to keep the lights on you can become a patreon subscriber the perks are coming soon all the fun things and give us a five star rating and review you know what the other stars just don't work I would like to give a really big thank you to Monique Egan for our super rad logo, for the super dope theme song, Sean Fox for the music and Alex Clark of Artie Rex for the vocals and Chris Bennett for additional editing, polishing, putting the pieces together and counselling me through putting this into the world and just all around smashing it. This podcast is recorded on Boon Wurrung land. Remember, we're all human. I'll see you next week.